Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Joining me for today's podcast, let me bring them up on the screen. Uh, give me a second here, and there they all are. We're using a new platform for the first time, so it always takes a few seconds to get everything loaded properly. But uh, joining me for today's podcast is my usual trio of stalwart tech journalists. Tech journalists, I love that word. Rob Pegarero, who writes for Wirecutter, The Verge, and USA Today. Uh, John Quain, who writes for The New York Times, Smart Cities, and Tom's Guide. And our resident baseball historian, Stuart Walpin, who scribed for Twice and Laptop Magazine, Gentlemen, good afternoon, and how are you? Very well. Free. Well, I'm glad you like this new platform. So far, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, we've been using an, another platform, which I will not name it, that one of our journalist friends here uh, <laughs> was, was not really enthusiastic about. And after much uh, deliberation, uh, uh, we did change it, and I'm glad that we, um, I'm glad that we did. Um, before we get into the podcast, um, I have to say something. Any I, and I do, by the way, you, each of you did not try to uh, humiliate me on Twitter or anything, you know, if the Yankees got eliminated last week. And uh, especially I appreciate that, Rob. Uh, there's another award-winning journalist in the Washington area that, of course, and I will, not name, I will not name who he is, but he has been less than friendly to me, at least privately, with text messages. And Stuart, what are your thoughts? You're the big baseball guy. Why did, did the Yankees get The Yankees came back to earth. Last well, time. I mean, the fact that they just didn't have starting pitching. I mean, that was going to be the problem all along, that they simply didn't have strong enough starting pitching, and their bullpen was hot and cold. Their hitting was hot and cold. Just not a consistent enough team. Yeah, well, very disappointing, very disappointing. And what's even more disappointing, and I will not even get into this, but the Giants' performance on Sunday was so bad and the, the number of injuries they've gotten it's like the, it was like it's like the first 20 minutes of saving private ryan everyone is like <laughs> okay that's that really good, huh? yeah. <laughs> and if you've seen the first 20 minutes of saving private ryan you know exactly what i mean but let us go to the topics here and that is hey windows 11 is here um you know like you know, it's so funny how different people react to when a new operating system comes down the path, whether it's Windows or Mac OS. Um, and I do want to tee this up because I've got to get uh, the impressions of each of you. You know, uh, basically, um, you know, are you going to upgrade or have you upgraded? Do you have any installation issues? You know, do you prefer it over Mac OS if you're using Mac? I'm a, I, I've kind of switched over the last few years to Mac OS. But uh, let me start with uh, Rob. Rob, you, this is a meaty topic for you, and I'd love to get your impression. So I have not installed it yet. My laptop here, this uh, now almost four-year-old HP Spectre X360, uh, it can run it. The PC Health Check app for Microsoft has verified that. Um, but to be honest, number one, I had sort of forgotten. <laughs> There's been so little discussion about it, and not a single reader has asked, hey, should I put Windows 11 on my computer? I think part of that is this sort of staged rollout Microsoft has had where they, they decided, fortunately, to not run with the Windows 95 PR playbook of having this huge event. Right. Um, and, and, yeah, also, it's not a huge amount of changes. 
You know, there, there, there's, it seems like there's been a lot of good and useful work. And as, a, as an interface nerd, I'm happy. Somebody at Microsoft actually spent time thinking, how can we make the right-click menu, you know, <laughs> in the Windows Explorer desktop, a little less cluttered and a little more logical, which is the sort of thing Apple traditionally sweats and Microsoft traditionally blows off. So happy to see that. But yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, I have enough memory, enough storage space in this. But first, I'm trying to figure out why the battery life on this thing is has gotten so terrible, even though this laptop had the luxury of spending almost an entire year at home, not going anywhere. So, John, you don't, you don't come across to me as the type of guy who runs out and upgrades the moment a new operating system comes out. I could be wrong about that, but uh... I mean, <laughs> well, for you know, for part of my work, I have to. But it, for the first time, you know, since I don't know DOS 3.0 or something, I haven't oh, felt compelled oh to run out and upgrade anything for work. As Rob's saying, look, nobody's asking about it. I, I that's not entirely true. I do a radio program once a week, and of course, we have talked about Windows 11 then. But um, since you can't just ask for it and download it, and it has to be this sort of invite that you get sent, or if you check your settings in Windows, you'll see uh, when you click Upgrade, it'll come up if you're available if it's available for you. But it's it's just kind of a whimper. Um, although it does have one major feature, which it's going to have. But it doesn't currently have, have and that is the ability to run Android, Android apps. apps. Yep. yep. So if it had that already, then maybe I'd be running out trying to get it. But um, no. And as with every single rollout that's ever been done, either from Microsoft or Apple or Linux, any OS rollout, there are always bugs. There are always conflicts. And if you're really relying on this for your work, you can't afford to have conflicts at bugs, so I'm not I'm not rushing into it right now. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart, of all the people I know, you are probably well. First of all, I think you're a Mac guy, aren't you? Aren't you? A Mac? Yeah. So, <laughs> you look, your name is on a list somewhere. Someone, <laughs> you know, that you're, that you're a Mac. As long as it's not a list in Eichmann's in in Eichmann's pocket, Eichmann's pocket. <laughs> I'll make sure of that. But Thank the you. but but the um. Are you the, well? Even with uh, the new op, you know, Mac, op, Apple will be coming out with the new Monterey operating system very shortly. Mm-hmm. By the way, just before the broadcast, it looks like Apple is going to have their new um, MacBook uh, lineup. Uh, there's an event. I think the event's now called Unleashed next Monday or Tuesday, and of mm-hmm. which I am sure they'll come out with new, you know, the new iteration to M1, new Mac, uh, new MacBook. And they, and they will probably announce, okay, now the new uh, operating system will be available. But do you typically, even with Mac, um, Stuart, do you typically upgrade as quickly as you can with the new operating system? No, uh, I usually wait till the dot one or the dot oh iterations. I mean, it's just a little, I, I have a Windows laptop that Acer was very kind to lend to me since I don't need it that often. Uh, every once in a while, a review comes up where I have to look for security software or something. So I, I need a Windows machine, and Acer was kind enough to lend me one, commercial uh, not included. Um, but it was a little surprising when I read from some of the commentators that Microsoft had said when Windows 10 came out that they weren't going to do any more numbered operating systems. And what I read, it seems that they were doing it in reaction to Chromebook eating into their um, into their market, which is a little surprising because Chromebooks, to my understanding, are much less expensive laptops. And Windows 11 is designed for full 
fully loaded laptops that are no more than about three or four years old. Right. So I'm I, I, I'm not clear on why Microsoft delivered a new OS. And to John's point, why, if they're going to do it, why not make a big deal out of it? Why do it so quietly? I mean, all in both Apple and Microsoft, and to a lesser extent, Linux, they roll out new operating systems primarily in reaction to security concerns, uh, in addition to whatever new features that they want to add in there. But of course, you could add features to older operating systems. So it's a little unclear to me why Microsoft is doing this pretty much on the down low. Well, I, I want to go back to something that Rob and, and John said is that, you know, this since the, you know, the, to me, one of the real beefy features that um, that I think people could sink their teeth into is, you know, that feature that it's not there yet, uh, not there yet. Yeah, Android the ability, ability to run Android app. Uh, Android right. app. That's a big deal. You know, that's yeah. a pretty, it's a, pretty, it's, a, it's a significant deal with, I'm using, um, I'm a Mac OS guy and I can run on my M1 based Mac mini. I can run Apple apps, uh, Apple uh, mobile apps, which is actually. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that yet though. I have done that. And it, and it does actually come in handy. It, I mean, it's not a feature that. It'll be more fully blown in the next, uh, next version. Yeah. I, I mean, I've yet to try that on my M1 Mac Mini, even though it's been give it, there. Give it a try. I mean, it actually works pretty well, you know. And and there are some apps that there's no desktop version, so that's a nice thing to have in your back pocket. But largely, this iteration of uh, Windows 11, um, I think, John, you made the point. It's really a visual deal. I mean, and they and they borrowed a lot of the visual aesthetics uh, from Apple because Apple does borrow. I'll use that word, you know, advisedly. Um, I'm sure the lawyers at, 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 at Microsoft don't like that language, but but the, the reality is is that it, it, the, the both operating systems are beginning to look a lot more similar from a visual standpoint. And there, you know, I wrote something I wrote something in Forbes about uh, two weeks ago that the one feature that keeps me in the Apple um, ecosystem is the ability to do text messaging from my desktop. You know, I don't think they're ever going to give that feature up. That's a big deal for me because I can type text messages at a million miles an hour on my on a keyboard. Stewart's nodding his head, and and even if and I don't think Microsoft will ever get the keys of the kingdom from Apple to to do that. I don't think Apple will ever concede that, even though they are now starting to open up the ecosystem so you can kind of you can take FaceTime calls now. You know, uh, to a Windows platform, which is yeah, that's kind of interesting. But uh, but the reality is that. It's it's really a visual experience right now, and there are some nice things about it. And but I will go back to um, you know that you know Joanna Stern in the Wall Street Journal did a terrific um, uh, analysis. Dwight Silverman, who I know you, all of you know, uh, did a nice um, uh, a piece uh, um, a few days ago about he had some installation issues because of the security requirements of the new of new Windows 11. That you know you if you don't have the right um, uh, security settings in your BIOS, you just can't install. You know, it will not install. Now, of course, Microsoft positions that as a, as a feature because Windows 11 apparently has right. much more robust uh, security protection built into it. But it's not like past operating systems where, you know, when Microsoft would come out with a new operating system and you could actually go back, you know, several generations on, you know, on older hardware. So th this is being much more prescriptive, I think, you know, in my view. Well, that's yeah, the other difference from Apple. Apple's operating systems are usually far, their compatibility goes much further back.
Yep. Yeah, I mean, there is another issue here, too, that I just wanted to mention again, because I whine about it all the time, and that is abandoning their previous products, right? Um, you know, no automaker on the planet is allowed to do that. In fact, there are regulations in place that you can't do that. You can't say, mm -hmm. well, sorry, your car's 10 years old, and I'm not going to support it anymore. That's that's not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. You have to make parts, things have to be available for it. Right. So. I have to say that Microsoft's responsible for a lot of the security issues that you see around the world because people are still running Windows 7 and WannaCry is still a, a, a terrific threat around the world because Microsoft isn't out there patching their older operating systems and forcing that on people. So, you, you know, uh, one of the issues is in security terms, though, I mean, it was it was not that long ago where they finally cut off Windows XP. Uh, and I, I remember hearing uh, Microsoft had their inspired developer conference in DC in like 2017. And right. Microsoft President Brad Smith used part of his keynote to say, please stop using Windows XP. This would be like <laughs> you walking around with an iPod today. Please get right, but it, that's like saying here. give up your car, like just park it. I know you bought it and you spent all this money on Windows it. Windows XP is not just go park it. Chevy. It's not yeah. even a 1981 Dodge Dart. Let it go. Well, so you know, it's and, like, I, I, and I don't want to defend Microsoft, but you know, Microsoft has you know 85, 90% share. You know, call it somewhere in the. I mean, they still have some very heady numbers, right. and and the reason why is that and they have tremendous share presence in enterprise companies. Um, not to say that Mac OS hasn't grown because it has grown, but let, I mean, when you have share in the 85% range of, uh, right. uh, that's a, a big deal. And a lot of that is, is the legendary backward compatibility. And, you know, Apple tends to be, you know, that you got to love Apple when they upgrade. If the, if, uh, older hardware doesn't support a certain feature, they walk away from it. They'll, I mean, th their message is very unequivocal. You should, you need to upgrade your hardware if you want to, if you want these features. You know, right. Microsoft has a heavy burden with IT managers, with CIOs that, hey, you know what? We've invested all this money in hardware. We don't want to be left behind. So they have this continual burden of having to support um, older peripherals, older pieces of hardware. And that, you know, that, that does have a toll. And that creates that bug situation, John, that you talked about, which does happen uh, pretty frequently. But before we go to the next topic, very, very quickly, I, I, are you guys, for the, for the Windows guys here, are you ever going to go back to ever going to go to Mac OS? Is uh, that not something not in your, uh, not I your use it. I definitely use it obviously, you know, because you have to re review and test everything. So I've but, got but reviewing, you know, it, reviewing it is different from testing it. And, you know, you're using it as your production operating system. So you, you don't think you'll ever switch as a, as a production platform. It's you've got to go with the 85%, you know, for us and the innovation, you know, the, the newer programs all come out in the other platform. So, Kind of stuck. <laughs> I don't really have a choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> For me, the, the answer to that question is is both. So I'm speaking to you through this Mac Mini desktop and the nice monitor I bought for it. But <laughs> my current laptop is a Windows laptop, and my next one will also be a Windows laptop, basically because you know Microsoft supports the whole concept of the convertible laptop, where you can you know take the screen, open it. Like that, you can do this on a, on, a, on a Mac laptop once, but this is a hardware concept, and Apple doesn't seem to think anyone wants it. And so, in part, yes, I do need to stay conversant in both platforms. Same reason I have an iPad and an Android phone. Uh, I've, if a reader comes to me with a question, I have to be able to answer it. 
although if they have a question about Windows XP, then no, I don't. <laughs> um, but in this case, it also helps that Apple has an operating system that is really good. A lot of things I like about it, very well optimized for desktop. But the fact that they don't think they need to incorporate touch into Mac OS, that they seem to think a laptop has to occupy the, the same sort of physical form that we had on the, the PowerBook 150, like 25, 30 years ago, puts them kind of out of contention. Even though I, I hear great things about battery life on the M1 MacBook Air, and I know a Windows laptop I get won't be quite as good, although who knows, there are various laptops coming out with ARM architecture processors in them as well. Uh, and same thing, you know, I prefer to have an Android phone as my primary phone because of things like a headphone jack. Uh, I can use a standard USB-C charger uh, for a tablet. I prefer an iPad and whenever I replace this with the new iPad mini five or six, whatever we're up to now, then I can charge everything with the same magic connector. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Well, I'll just leave you with this one message before we get to the next topic, uh, Rob. But I've been using, if you could believe this, I you know the new version of Parallels will allow you yeah. to run the ARM version of Windows 11, which I've been doing for oh, the last right. month and a half. Uh, you got to use Ubuntu. Uh, You've got to download that as the um, uh, as a as the operating system in the, in the background. But it actually, you know, believe it or not, the ARM version of Windows 11, which is not exactly equivalent in features, by the way, that um, that the uh, the x86 Intel version has, it's actually pretty snappy, you know. So uh, you know, I, I got plenty of storage on this new computer. I just might try that out. I, 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 no, download. It's funny it's really, if I try Windows 11 first on my Mac. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be ironic if Windows 11, the ARM version, run, in your opinion, runs more efficiently on your M1 than on an x86 platform. But that's a, that's a different uh, that's a different story. Let us get to our, our next topic, and that is, and God knows it's been in the news all the time. Global supply chain issues are driving people crazy. You know, I have to my the lease on my car is uh, is up. Um, I went into a dealership the other uh, the, uh, uh, last Friday. You'll enjoy this conversation. I hate talking to car dealers. And I hope, I hope, I'm not going to mention who they are because for all I know, they'll watch it and then they'll jack my price up again. But literally, the guy said to me, this is the guy I've leased two cars from in the past. His first thing, you know, why, by the way, Mark, cars are going for $5,000 over MSRP. You know, right. that was the opening conversation. And, you know, it's, it's affecting everything. You know, it's affecting um, anything with a computer chip. It's affecting cars. It's affecting computer devices. I mean, you've got, you know, ships that are piled up, ship after ship outside of ports. Um, I, I want to get Rob's reaction. Rob, you know, where do you think this is going? I mean, it, or do you think you're going to see a resurgence of, of manufacturing in the United States to, to kind of fend this off? Or is this going to be, well, we just got to get through this. And when things go back to normal, you know, it, it'll be business as usual. So what, what's your take? Uh, you know, there's definitely a problem here. How you solve it is not so clear because we have sort of decided that it's okay to have so much of the production of these components done outside the U.S. and you can't turn that around immediately. Yes. You know, some things like logistically speaking, Apple is basically married to the People's Republic of China because yeah. where else are you going to get new iPhones built in those kind of quantities? Right. Um, when you look at more specialized things, I mean, one of the big shortages is with this uh company in Taiwan, TSMC, where, you know, we don't have a geopolitical conflict with the, with the country, but still you have all these other difficulties in shipping and everything else. Um, but given that this is something that took place over decades, we're not going to fix this anytime soon either. 
No, you're right. And um, we're, we're going to get into the whole fab, fabulous issue in, in, in a second. But the, um, you know, the thing, you know, you, it's interesting now with, you know, the saber rattling you're hearing out of China about invading Taiwan. You right. want to really, you really want to impact the, the, the technology supply chain in the world. An invasion of Taiwan would not be good for that. That would be disruptive on so many different ways. I, I cannot the tell Chinese you. Chinese too. Of course, it's oh, not yeah. stopping the Beijing from stomping on all sorts of dot-com startups in China itself. Right. They're, they're, they're doing things right now that I don't fully understand. No, not neither do I. I, I a lot of it's irrational, frankly, from my uh, perspective. So, John, let me pull you into the conversation. Well, I, I think that's interesting about Taiwan, though. It is, I think it is, they don't need the land, you know, um, and the saber rattling is really about, I think it's about fab plants and intellectual property. The, we'll allow the Taiwanese to make certain chips that we will not allow the Chinese to make for us mm -hmm. because of the IP issues and the sophistication level of sophistication. So there is a, there is a cutoff. It's not like we let China make all of these chips. We don't actually. Right. Um, but, um, but Taiwan we do. So I would just sort of sneak in there that that may be actually the real reason why they're interested at all. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an issue here with Global Foundry, for example, is a, a big fab plant that was built as other people were shutting down their fab plants in the U.S. Um, it's in, in, in New York, but it it, um, it draws power and stuff for Vermont. They're trying to get around certain rules now because we need them so desperately. Um, and they're trying to get around energy consumption rules and stuff. So I think you're going to see more fab plants built in the U.S., I don't think you're going to see TV assembly plants built in the U.S., but I think fabrication plants, that's going to be a thing. I think that's going to take a year and a half, but it's going to be a thing. Well, to, to uh, Rob's point, though, building a fab is not like building a house overnight or building a, right. a factory. It's expensive, it, uh, billions of dollars. I mean, the economics of running a fab, um, you know, just talk to Ask Intel about that. If you, that fab is not running at 102 percent of capacity all the time, very hard to make a profit frankly. And, you know, you got to fill that fab up and get it running. And uh, so, I, you know, that's a long-term thing. Um, Stuart, your, uh, your thoughts? Well, I, I agree. It's going to, it would take a long time to change direction. It's not like you could start putting up factories, even though that's what they did in World War II, but they used existing factories. And in, in many ways, this is very much like, to me, and this is going to sound really off the wall, very much like the whole issue about power lines in the U.S. Um, for years, people have been saying with all of these increasing hurricanes and tornadoes and all these natural and, and blizzards that we should be burying the power lines. And obviously, right. that's a solution only if you do it on a mass nationwide level as opposed to doing it locality by locality. And I think and, and so it would take a federal response, essentially, to, to get all the cables underground, which I think the current administration is, is going to try to do. But I think the same thing would have to happen at the factory and fab level, that it would have to be a federal program that would incentivize a lot of these companies to bring manufacturing as much as they can back to the U.S. and have to be a coordinated effort, not only for the IP side, but also on immigration and worker side, worker training 
training and we have to solve immigration policy to make this happen. What's that? Great. We have to solve immigration policy too to make this happen. Well, yeah, because right now I don't think we have the work. I think one of the problems is not having the workforce. That, that's next um, week. Well, that's so next it's week. not just a matter of oh, building the buildings. You have to have people in them to actually put these things together, and and you have it's all labor. I mean, there are so many issues involved, but the overarching issue is, as far as I'm concerned, is this the the supply chain issue that we're having right now. It's not going to get any better. I mean, once you, this problem crops up, it's going to crop up again, and this is going to become endemic. This is going to be one of those things like climate change that is not going to get better. And the best thing to do in IMHO is to get a handle on this as early as possible and start thinking about what's going to be our situation in 20 years from now. Right. No, I, I just think that, honestly, um, this, this is not a short-term thing. Um, you know, inflation is already rocketing. It's not transitory. You know, this is, we, you know, fuel is up out here in California. You know, you're lucky if you can buy, pay, you can, you can pay less than $5 for gasoline, a gallon of gasoline. China is having its own issues right now with, with uh, their own energy shortages. They're doing all kinds of planned blackouts and, and, and things like that. Then you layer the geopolitical issues with Taiwan on top of this. This, you know, 2022 is going to be a very gnarly um, uh, period, you know, and uh, yeah, you like, that's the SAT word. I learned that at Boston College, gnarly. It's going to be challenging here. And, and related to that, let me get to the next, the uh, next topic here. You know, you know, running on top of this, of course, you know, parallel with this is that, right. you know, the, the, you know, and Apple, by the way, I can, you know, you know it's fun, so funny when Apple, you know, ventured to start using their own ASICs, their own silicon for their own, their phones going back years, you know, people thought they were crazy. You know, what, you know, you know, why do that? Why, you know, Apple doesn't have a lot of expertise in silicon, you know, uh, why not uh, partner with an existing um, uh, partner, you know, not to, not to say that, not to say, um, I mean, the big issue at that time, but if you flash back to 2007, I mean, some, uh, Apple's answer would be, hey, by the way, nobody has silicon that you can put into a small form factor that has the performance that we need because, you know, Intel missed, you know, missed the party right. on, on that one. But there is this kind of trend toward using proprietary chips. I mean, we saw that with the Pixel 6. Um, they're now using this Tensor, uh, S Tensor SOC. And... Um, you know, I want to get. I want to start with you, Stuart. Uh, do you think this is an ongoing trend, or you think this is a one-off, and or you think this is going to affect? Uh, it's going to. You're going to see this in other industries as well. No, I think this is going to be ongoing. I understand that Xiaomi is also developing their own chip. Obviously, Huawei has its own chip, the high silicon Kirin, um, and now. It, the thing that really intrigues me about the Google thing is that they cannot be doing this for themselves. Google does not sell a lot of phones. Right. So the only reason that they can be doing this is to design this new chip is to license it and sell it to other Android makers and not to become a competitor to MediaTek or Qualcomm necessarily. But the whole idea behind the Apple Bionic chip is to create a system, an integrated system where the hardware and the software are all really melded together. And a lot of the other 
um, uh, mostly Chinese vendors have their own operating systems on top of Android. And so it makes perfect sense for the Samsungs and, and the Huawei's, um, uh, the Xiaomi's, um, and even the Vivos and the Oppos to develop their own silicon. So all of one, reduce dependence on MediaTek and Qualcomm, and two, to create a, a chip that runs with their uh, their own proprietary over Android operating systems, and three, create a greater distance between them and possible competitors who will be relying on off-the-shelf. So I think a lot of these companies will rely on off-the-shelf chips for their lower-end phones, but for the for those premier product lines, Samsung and the Exynos um, chip, I mean, all of these companies, I think this is, I think will just, seeing Apple's success with the Bionic chip, I think all of these companies want to get to a place where their phones run the way that they want them to run and everything is under their control. So but, I think- but, but, Yeah, but Stuart, let me point something out is that when, you know, Apple's um, ability to fine tune their operating system to be optimized uh, for their uh, processor is a lot, I'm not gonna say it's a walk in the park, but no. when you but when you only have one operating system that you have to support with an optimized SOC, that is a far um, easier and probably you get a, probably a better outcome from a performance standpoint when you only have to worry about you know a, a single platform. The fact that you know Google wants to do this with multiple companies, all who wanna add their own value and their own secret sauce, you know, you may not get the performance advantages that, that that they desire because so many people, so many vendors are trying to take advantage of the same uh, silicon. You know, you, no, it, because the difference is that all of these major vendors are running their own operating systems that are on top of Android, and they're differentiating themselves. And some of them are in their twelfth generations already. You know, so a lot of these Chinese vendors have their own operating systems and simply lie on top well, the Chinese of Android vendors. the way that Windows lies on top of MS-DOS. Mm -hmm. So they're all trying to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And if they can make their phones even, I don't know, more differentiated or or, or to, to better um, integrate their own operating systems with their own hardware. I think it's that's something that they're all they've been looking to do for the last five or six oh, years. I, no, I'm not saying that they're not doing it. I'm just what I, my argument is that the payoff from a performance standpoint may not be as as dramatic as the kind of outcome that you see with app and Apple SOC and, and I, don't, Apple. I don't I don't think they care. It's because not, they're operating, a, a lot of them are operating in markets that Apple is not a really big player That's in. True. That's true. China accurate. and India, where Apple is, despite the news reports of the lines you see to stores, Apple doesn't even have double-digit share in either in China or India, which are, the, which are the world's largest markets. And India in particular, which is about to launch its 5G networks within the next few months, the, their market has been flooded by inexpensive 5G phones from all the top Chinese vendors. So um, India is the battleground, and, and any way that these guys can differentiate their products from, from Apple and even Samsung, which they are doing successfully, um, is, is going to be a boon to them. Whether or not the phones actually are perform better than Apple, I don't think is an issue at all. John, your thoughts? I don't think any of the consumers in any of those countries care about the chip that's inside the phone. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think it's the only reason you would do it is, are the economics of it. Yeah. And now those economics have all changed, right? When Apple decided to switch 
was pre-pandemic. I mean, that was that's a super tanker kind of move, right? That ship started to move before the pandemic. So now, but the economics have all completely changed because you can't just order up chips anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't just call your fab plant and go, hello, I'd like my own chip, please. And yeah, I, I've got a new exactly right. That's exactly that's, right. That's not a thing anymore. So uh, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. I don't think you're going to see a lot of these proprietary chips. It's nice to get leverage if you're Google, you know, and you're, you want some leverage against the standard chip makers, but I don't think it offers very much in, in terms of performance either. I mean, it really is running Android. Could you run an AI program on top of it and maybe tweak it? Yeah. And that's what Apple's doing, but it's not, it's not like you're getting performance across the board. It still runs out of power. The battery still dies. It's just as quickly as it did before. So they're not, you know, so I don't think they'll differentiate. And I don't think Indian, Chinese, or even, you know, U.S. customers care what chip is in the phone. They care less. So, um, you know, it's really a matter of economics. If that, but that could change in six months. It could be the case that, that it becomes easier to make those chips again and, and more cost effective. But I don't think right now it's really, you'll see much movement. Rob, uh, wrap it up for us. What's your words of wisdom on this? Don't think performance, think security and updates. One thing, one advantage Google does get by putting its own system on a chip in the Pixel yeah. 6 and Pixel 6 Pro is it can push through core system updates for much longer. Right now, Qualcomm has to write a layer of code, which is why it's very hard for anyone, even the most well-meaning vendors, to ship a version of Android for a phone that's more than three years old, whereas Apple does it all the time routinely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this way, Google solves that problem. And hopefully, here I'm just guessing, they want to set a better example for the rest of the industry. I think it that's also what, helps That's what all, all of these guys are doing, is prolonging the security update life. To break up what right now is a monopoly in the US by Qualcomm on Android chipsets. No one else is doing that. You know, Samsung has its own, but they don't use that in U.S. market phones. The first time any Android user in the U.S. actually uses a mobile device with a Samsung chipset will be chipset. <laughs> when they uh, put out one of those, the new uh, Android Wear watches that are now coming out in this collaboration with Google and Samsung, where Google basically got tired of waiting for Qualcomm to ever develop a useful uh, smartwatch chipset. They did a horrible job of it. That's why Android watches have been so terrible. And they said, well, okay, Samsung, you all have this chipset you've used in your own Galaxy Wear watches. Let's put our software on top of that and try to give uh, you know, the Apple Watch some honest competition for once. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where this pans out because just about everybody and their brother, not just in smartphones, are now talking about you know utilizing their own you know, SOC or designing their own processor. And uh, right. even Microsoft, frankly, there were, there's been some discussion about them, you know, designing their own um, SOC for their, for their laptops, which you know, they don't sell a lot of laptops, but I think they, they uh, look at in Cupertino and they say to themselves, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful for us if we had our own SOC and optimize for, yeah. You know, and and just like to deal with uh, Intel to to create some 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 um, some laptop or mobile device chips as well. Strange bedfellows, Intel and and Qualcomm. Qualcomm. Yes, you know, yeah. you know, but hey, strange bedfellow bedfellows is not a uh, 
unusual dynamic in the uh, high-tech space. But, hey, guys, listen, thanks for your time. Really uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time to join me for today's podcast. Uh, for our viewing and listening audience, please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Vienna Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great weekend. And, guys, thanks very much. Thank you.